0: You're listening to the sermon podcast of Mountain View Church. Whether you're here catching up on last week's message or digging through a past series, we're so grateful you've tuned in today. Our prayer is the next 30 to 40 minutes helps you become a more whole follower of Jesus. If you're local and would like to join us, we'd love to see you this Sunday. For those who can't make it in person, services are also streamed on Facebook and YouTube. All the information about service times, what we have for kids, and much more can be found on our website, almsville.church. Now, let's open our hearts and minds to today's message. Um, So this summer, we have been in a series um, called The Summer Road Trip. And uh, so Mike has pulled over and he asked if I would drive for a little while. Don't worry, I'm going to make sure that I make full stops at the stop signs. I will drive the speed limit mostly. Um, I'll do, I will do my best, okay, where I'm from. It's 70 miles an hour everywhere. It is 55 kills me on 22. I have to really remind myself, <laughs> even after all these years. All right, so the summer road trip is a journey with the Apostle Paul through the book of Acts, and so we've made it through the first two legs, and today we get to start the third one. Um, does anybody need to stop, stretch for a minute before we keep on going? Or is anybody just getting really tired of these groaners about the, the, the road trip jokes, right? Because you're coming to church. You're not actually sitting in a car for hours. All right, moving on. <laughs> um, it won't be my last groaner of the day, I promise you that. Okay, uh, so this week we find ourselves in Ephesus. Um, and I'm going to ask you guys all to be brave. Oh, look it! There it is. Okay, I was going to skip it because last service there was some mishap. Um, so where the red circle is, that's Ephesus. So that's where we're spending our day today is there. Um, and so I'm going to ask you guys all to be brave um, because I don't know how to not ask you guys to be interactive with me somehow. It's just a part of who I am. But don't worry, we're not going to have a test. I'm not going to ask you to do any math or anything like that like I have before. Um, I had the privilege of getting to teach uh, the Imagination Station in VBS, okay? One of the first things I would ask kids whenever they would come in was, and they groaned at this too, so it's not just you adults who groan at my jokes. Did you bring your imagination with you today? And so I ask you, did you bring your imagination with you this morning yeah. in church and online? Okay, that was a good response. I always got excuses with the kids. All right, um, some of you guys are like, it is too early. I have not had enough coffee to be this jazzed up or to have an imagination. I get it. Don't worry, it's going to be Okay. Um, so this is a pretty brief thing. I want you guys to close your eyes, and remember, I'm up front, and I'm a mom, and so those of you who are at home, I can see you too. I just know. Close your eyes. i ask you guys all to close your eyes, and I want you to imagine what Ephesus looks like. Okay, open your eyes. Look at it! You guys imagined so good, it popped right up on the screen. Is that what you pictured? Somebody say yes. <laughs> That's what you pictured. All right. Uh, so this is, these are some of the ruins from Ephesus. Up here on the left, we have the Ephesus Theater. It had enough seating for 25,000 people. It was originally created for dramas, and so I imagine things like plays and operas, probably something about good acoustics, depending on how the, uh, I'm not super musical, so I don't know those things, I just like to belt it out in my car, it's safest there. Um, and then gladiators eventually started using that as well. Um, Next on the top to the right, we have the Library of Celsus. It was the third largest library at the time. Um, And then here on the left side, we have a street in Ephesus. And it is said that Michelangelo actually um, painted some pictures underneath some of those rocks. And if you pick up just the right rocks, you might find a match kind of like in memory. I'm just kidding. I'm using my imagination, guys. It's just a street. It's just a street. Okay. Okay. On the right, we have the Temple of Artemis. Well, what remains of it? Um, Just like the other things. Artemis was the daughter of Zeus. Um, She was the goddess of wild animals, the hunt, childbirth, and then some other stuff because the list was long and I didn't want to go on and on about that. But just like Pastor Micah said in the past, um, they tried to cover everything because they wanted to make sure that they didn't miss anything. Um, And so here is kind of an idea of what Ephesus used to look like for you guys just to be imagining as we spend time together today. Um, Ephesus was once a go-to place for trade because, as you saw on the map, it was right on the coast. And so it was a place that a lot of people went to and that they spent time in. Um, It was once considered the most important Greek city in Asia Minor. And so it's a big deal. Uh, It was also considered a prosperous and highly cultured trade center. So, now that you kind of have a good idea of what Ephesus looks like, let's hop into some scripture. So, Acts 18, 24 to 26 says, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. So Ephesus is about 470 miles from Alexandria. So Apollos traveled about 470 miles to get there to share all that he knew. Um, and we don't know for sure if he traveled by land or um, by water. Uh, we have a map of, for you guys just to get an idea of what it looked like comparison. So you can see Ephesus is the, up there to the right, Alexandria. Can't quite see the land, but you can see the name. And so there's, he traveled a good long ways to make it to Ephesus to share the information that he had. He knew that it was important, the things that he knew. He knew it was important and that he wanted to share it with people. Um, So like we learned just a moment ago, Ephesus is a big deal. Apollos knew that. Um, Interestingly enough, Alexandria um, is very similar to Ephesus. It was also considered um, a major center of culture and commerce, and the library there was larger than even the one in Ephesus that we looked at earlier. So it was either the most, the largest one or the second largest. And you guys are like, library, what's the big deal with the library? You keep talking about those. First of all, libraries are awesome, okay? <laughs> I love them. You should go. Um, and second of all, back in the day, libraries were not... Um, they just weren't really a thing because most people could not even read. And so it was in the places where that was most affluent, where people had the most learning and education, where you would find libraries at all. And so it was the richest of the people who were even able to afford printed books. And so libraries, the fact that there's libraries and that they were some of the largest, tells us a great deal about how important these cities were and the influence that they had on the rest of the world. Um, And so it does, Ephesus and Alexandria sound quite similar. And so um, Apollos kind of probably knew the influence that he could have if he were to go to this place and understood the culture. Um, One of the things that I learned early in my relationship with God is that the words in the Bible are chosen with intention. They're chosen on purpose and carefully, and they're important. Each one of those matters. Um, So as we read about Apollos, we learned that he is a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the Scriptures, that he had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and that he spoke with great fervor, and taught about Jesus accurately. Now, those sound like a lot of compliments, if you ask me. Um, I want to do just a quick vocab lesson. Don't worry, there's not going to be a test. Hmm. Although I said that at the last service, and then I accidentally tested them, so <laughs> might be a pop quiz, I don't know. All right, um, so the first word I want to look at is learned. It means having much knowledge. Thorough means complete with regard to every detail. That's a lot of information to know something thoroughly, to know every detail about something. Scriptures. Now, in this context, it's talking about the Old Testament, because what's really cool to think about is the fact that that right now, what's happening is that the New Testament is actually taking shape; they're actually living it out, and so it hasn't happened yet. And so, when they talk about Apollos having a thorough knowledge of the old te- of scriptures, they're talking about the Old Testament. Uh, fervor means intense and passionate feeling. Accurately means correct in all details. Not in some, but in all details. That's a pretty smart person. That's a pretty smart person. So Apollos was from one of the centers of culture and commerce. He was raised in the Jewish tradition where they did where they learned the Old Testament, where they learned all the old the scriptures. It was important um, to their beliefs is what they what was required of them. And Scripture wants us to understand and know that Apollos is intelligent and passionate in regards to Scripture, and that he wanted others to know the truth. Um, <clears throat> one thing that I want you guys to know is that Jews actually reject the um, the fact they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They believe that he was he's a prophet, that he's a great man, but they do not believe that he is the Messiah who came, who came, and so um, they, they're still waiting for Jesus. Um, so the fact that uh, Apollo is a Jew and that he knows scripture and that he can teach accurately about Jesus it tells us that somewhere along the way he heard about Jesus and that he believed and he knows that this information needs to be shared. And so here he is on this journey. The rest of verse 26 says this When Priscilla and Aquila heard them, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more ac- adequately. Okay, so wait a minute. We just found out that Apollos, like he teaches accurately, like he knows all of the details, right? What could he possibly need to know? Is anybody else wondering that? Okay, thank you, Teresa. Teresa nodded her head. Teresa gets a gold star. (laughs) The rest of you guys will have more chances. Okay. Um, So here we are. We were just told that Apollos is this great man. Yet Priscilla and Aquila feel that they need to pull him to the side and that they need to share something else with him. They know something that he doesn't know. Um, Those names Priscilla and Aquila might sound familiar to you Uh, and it's because Pastor Mike actually talked about them last week. Um, So good job to you. You remembered something from the message last week if you remembered those names. Uh, And also Priscilla and Aquila, the last we saw them, they were hanging out with Paul who just happens to write most of the New Testament and so he knows lots of things. And so here they are hanging out with Paul. And so they have something that they need to share with Apollos that he hasn't learned yet. And so they might even actually have a little bit of an advantage over someone who is from one of the epicenters of knowledge, right? And culture and all of those things. Um, So no matter how smart we are, how much education we have, how much life experience we have, there's always something new that we can learn. Um, Each night at VBS, we met a new friend uh, and by friend, I mean one of an animal on the screen. The other friends are good, too, but I'm talking about that specifically now. Um, they were all different types of animals, and we learned about things that made each of them unique. I actually learned a lot while I was spending time with the kids about some animals that I didn't know about and some other things. I had a lot of fun. Um, one of the things that I got to share with the kids on the last night of VBS was that they should keep their eyes and their ears open, even after leaving VBS for what God might have for them. And... What God might want to teach for them because He likes to surprise us. He likes to surprise us. And then we made shrinky dinks. Does everybody know what shrinky dinks are? There's things. Um, so what they did was they paint, they colored with markers this thing. It was like this size and it was flimsy. And they got to color it and I said, God is monumental. And so they were going to get to take that home. And so I told them, I said, watch and see what happens because you have this thing that's flimsy and it's big. And then they would come over and I'd bring it to me and I had this heat gun and I put it on. Um, on top of that, and they would watch, and it was fun to see the reaction. Some of them weren't impressed because they had done it before, but some of them were just amazed, even if they had, um, as that piece of plastic shrunk down into this small thing like this size, and then it was really hard, and you couldn't move it anymore. And then they got to have a bracelet to take home to remind them that God is monumental, that he always has surprises for them. And so, um, We should always keep our eyes and ears open for surprises from God because Apollos was willing to learn more, and you just never know when God might have a shrinky-dink surprise for you. Um, So keep your hearts and minds in a posture of learning like Apollos because you don't want to miss out on what God has for you. So Scripture doesn't say this. So I'm kind of reading between the lines here, but I think that the fact that Priscilla and Aquila invited Apollos to their house to have a conversation with them, I think that was really wise. Because I think if they would have been sitting in the synagogue and they would have yelled out, hey, you don't know something. (laughs) Most people don't respond very good to that, right? That doesn't doesn't go very well. And so I think that they were really wise in pulling him off to the side and saying, hey, we would love to have you in our home. You know, we have more information that we want to share with you. And so then he was open to this conversation and so I think there was a lot of wisdom in doing that. I think he was more receptive to learning in a private conversation, than, and it will do more good than probably a public debate would do. So again, Scripture includes words that matter. Let's go back to a verse that we have already covered, 1825. says that Apollos taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. That's kind of some interesting phrasing there, I think. So now that I've pointed that out, maybe it's catching your attention as well. Um, he knew only the baptism of John. So baptism is baptism, right? And that's, I mean, when I think about baptism, I think baptism is baptism. Um, but that's not how it was then. Not exactly, because you got to remember that there was a BC before Christ and an AD after death for a reason. So John's baptism was to repent of sin, to follow the law, to make the relationship with God right, and to wait for the Messiah. They were supposed to wait for Jesus. That was John's baptism. They were waiting for Jesus. They were getting their hearts and their selves right and ready to wait for the, the arrival of Jesus. And then baptism after Jesus expresses an identification with Christ's death and resurrection. So our old self the us before we had a relationship with Jesus, is crucified, is put to death with Christ, and as we come out of the water, we have risen with Jesus in the newness of life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. This is the new information that Apollos needed to know. This is what he needed to know. Christianity.com explains baptism this way. Uh, It says, as you step into the water waiting to be baptized, you symbolize Jesus dying on the cross. And as you are lowered into the water, you symbolize Jesus being placed in the tomb. And as you are raised from the water, you symbolize Jesus raising from the dead. I had never really heard it explained quite that way before, Um, and I'm a, a visual person, and so that imagery was just really powerful for me, and I wanted to share that's all with you guys too, because I know it was a gift for me. Um, and just like Priscilla and Aquila didn't want Apollos to miss out, I didn't want you guys to miss out on that either. You should keep your hearts and minds in a posture of learning like Apollos, because you don't want to miss out on what God has for you. Now, uh, we're doing baptisms next Sunday, and so if you are interested in being baptized, if that's something that has been you've been wrestling with, or even something that might be new, for you today, a new thought that you're having, uh, we still there's still time to do that. Talk to Pastor Mike um, after the service. Talk with me. Call the office this week. We would love to talk to you about baptism. All right, because we, we don't want you to miss out on what God has for you. Uh, Acts 18, 27 and 19 through 1 says, when Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. So Apollos took what he knew and what he had learned along with him, along with um, some encouraging words and along with some kind of verification, like, this is this is who he says he is. We trust this person. You can listen to the things that he has. And he went on to, um, to share what he knew already and then what he had just learned as well. Um, and so then we kind of got, like, a tag team thing happening. And so Apollos tags out, like, he's out, and he goes to Achaia, and then he ends up in Corinth, and then Paul's tagging back in to Ephesus. Um, and if you guys remember... Uh, in Acts 18, 21, um, Paul had said when he was leaving Ephesus the last time, he said, if I am allowed to, he said, I will come back if it is God's will. And so here Paul is back in Ephesus. Um, keep your hearts and your minds in a posture of learning like Paul, because you don't want to miss out on what God has for you. Um, here's the rest of verse 1 from nineteen one and then through 7. So there he found some disciples, and he asked them, did you receive the the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, which again tells us that there is a difference in baptisms. They they received uh, John's baptism, they replied. And Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, and Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Okay, nothing interesting here. Let's just keep moving on. No? <laughs> all right. Uh, so Paul found some disciples, 12 to be specific. Uh, another pop quiz. Um, who else had how many disciples did Jesus have? Twelve. He had 12. Good job. See, you all get gold stars this time. Online too, I'm sure you answered. All right. It was almost like God was leading him and it was almost like God might have been leading uh, the disciples as well. In Ephesus, they were, they estimate there were about 250,000 people. And so unless they had like a secret clubhouse, they were hanging out. And um, I think it's pretty cool that they were still able to find themselves 12 people to one out of 250,000 people in a town. Um, And so then when Paul finds him, uh, he's like, hey, so have you received the Holy Spirit? Most people are like, hey, good morning. (laughs) Right? But not Paul, like, he just goes right for it. He's got important business to do. He's like, have you received the Holy Spirit? Because he knows this is important stuff. So... Uh, And we had just talked about the difference between John's baptism and the baptism after Jesus. So it was John the Baptist, uh, it was his job to go before Jesus to prepare the way, which is what he did. And so he baptized people in that. He was telling them, he was making them aware of the fact that they needed to be prepared. And so that was John's job. That was what he did. And that's why there is a difference. And then Jesus came and he changed things with his death and his resurrection. And that is now what we get to be baptized in. Um, Here is a reminder of what Jesus said back in Acts 1-5. For John baptized with water, but in a few days he will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus had told them that he would be sending back the Holy Spirit because he would be able to do more, because the Holy Spirit would live inside uh, each believer. I'm sorry, I just got distracted by a baby exchange. (laughs) I "I didn't get to hold that baby yet. Okay, (laughs) sorry. Okay. (laughs) Uh, so the Holy Spirit does supernatural things and sometimes we get to bear witness to those things and sometimes we get to actively participate in those supernatural things that happen Um, there's a fascination with supernatural things which I think we probably all are familiar with in some way or another and the reason for that is because we were made to have the Holy Spirit live inside of us we were made to be a part of those supernatural things but those supernatural things of God, not of the world, not the things that the world offers. And so the things that the world offers us that are supernatural, we should not be spending time with those things. We should not be, um, we need to be listening for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is all the supernatural we need because I tell you what, the, <laughs> the Holy Spirit is more powerful than any other thing that this world has to offer. Um, So if you were interested in supernatural things happening, I would just encourage you to just sit and be still and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and to really look through your life because I can guarantee if you're a believer, God is already doing those things. You have already experienced supernatural things in your lives and in the lives of your family and friends. And it doesn't always have to look like things like speaking in tongues and prophesying. Sometimes supernatural things are things like one day... Uh, your husband waking up and deciding that he wants to go to church with you after you've been praying for so long that he would. Sometimes it is things like getting this feeling that there is land in a specific area that you're supposed to buy and then build a house on. And then you go for a car ride and you find it and you build a house. And it could be something as simple as having somebody popping into your mind over and over and over again. And so you pray for them and you reach out to them and you say, hey. I've been thinking about you. And then they say, hey, well, I needed it. You know, those are just a few of the things that have supernaturally happened in my own life personally. And I know that each of you has those stories in your own lives and in your own hearts as well. Um, Those are good stories when God does those things. Uh, Keep your hearts and your minds in a posture of learning like the disciples because you don't want to miss what God has for you. So Paul was in the synagogue for 12 Sabbaths, speaking boldly and arguing for the truth to be heard and to be known. Uh, and then the people came, became obstinate. Ever dealt with an obstinate child, especially three-year-olds? Okay, there's the reaction I was waiting for. Especially when they decide they wanna do something on their own and it's always right when you're trying to leave the house, right? It's the day they decide they know how to tie shoes, okay? <laughs> like, never even taught you. you watching YouTube videos? What's happening? I don't know. Um, And so you just kind of have to wait it out with them. You have to wait until they tire themselves out or you have to wait until they get frustrated enough to allow you to help them. Or as I've had to do in the past, you just scoop them up and you're like, tire shoes in the car, kid. Um, You know, by the time you get there, right? So when people become obstinate, it's, there's, not, there's it's hard to reason with them any longer. You just kind of have to wait it out or you have to walk away until something happens. There's, there's not always a whole lot of reasoning that can happen. And so Paul recognized it. He heard the things that they were saying about what he was teaching and about this Jesus that, that he was trying to share with them. And they actually called it a Messiah cult. They didn't think that it was real. They thought it was just something that they were trying to trick a whole bunch of people into joining. If only they knew all these years later, there were still a whole bunch of us being tricked into joining, right? It's not a cult. It's not a trick. It's a real thing. But they were afraid because it was new and they didn't understand. They were afraid. So it is believed um, that during that time that Paul actually received uh, the Jewish beating of 40 lashes, um, there's a whole other thing, which I learned about, which was interesting, but you guys probably don't care about right now. Now you're curious, though, right? You want to know? <laughs> Just kidding. You ask me later. Okay. <laughs> so he received the uh, Jewish beating of 40, 40 lashes, and that's likely what they mean when they say that, that they became obstinate. They would no longer listen to him. They beat him. And so he left, he left the synagogue, and he found another place that he could meet with the disciples, the people um, who wanted to learn. I'll take the three-year-old, please. Yeah. When Paul left, he took those disciples with him, and he found a lecture hall to use to teach the good news of Jesus. Um, so Ephesus was a place, and it still is, where they take a siesta. Can I get an amen? Amen. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, from 11 to 4, five hours, right? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's a dream, especially for people who've got young kids. Five hours, you don't get a break. You can't even go to the bathroom by yourself. Anyway, um, so Paul took advantage of that time from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. to teach in, in the lecture hall while Tyrannus was taking his siesta. And so while he was taking a break, Paul was teaching during that time while everybody else was breaking. And the people who were coming there were taking their siesta time to come in and learn every day for two years, Paul was in the synagogue teaching for five hours. Somebody else did the math, but it's 3,500 hours of teaching. That's a lot of hours. That's a lot of hours. Some, uh, so Paul taught so often and so long that all the Jews and the Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the good news of Jesus. That's impressive. I think that's impressive. Uh, some believe that there were about 10,000 Jews alone living in just Ephesus. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. And let's remember that um, Ephesus was a main center of trade. It was a, p- a place that people often came and went. And so they there was probably a lot of people who were talking about this uh, this Paul guy who was talking about this Jesus guy, and they meet for five hours every day. Like, what are they doing in this place, right? And so whether... They came just out of curiosity and they left scoffing at the story of Jesus, or whether they left because and was shared the story of Jesus because they because they believed and their lives were transformed, the story of Jesus went out everywhere. It went out, out everywhere. And so I think that God strategically placed and called Paul to Ephesus to this place to have this time to be able to share all of this with so many people because he knew the influence that it would have because it was like a main pipeline for people coming and going. That's really powerful. The historian tells us that most certainly Paul's time in Ephesus is how the church in Colossae was born, likely from Epaphras who was credited in Colossians 1-7 with ministering the teachings of Jesus, all because Paul listened to the Holy Spirit's leading to go back. Keep your hearts and minds in a posture of learning like Paul and Epaphras because you don't wanna miss out and what God has for you, let's pray. God, I thank you so much. I thank you that we have your word that leads us and guides us. God. I thank you for the intention put into each of those words that you um, that were poured out and poured in. God, I thank you for the obe- obedience of the people who wrote those words. God who heard you clearly, I thank you for your Holy Spirit leading in our lives, and I just ask that we would become more and more sensitive to your leading in our lives, that we would be obedient to those callings, even when it asks us to do things that feel really crazy, like, um, I don't know, buying a CD for somebody who you're not sure if you even really enjoy, um, or whatever it is, God, making a phone call, a text, whatever it is, God, I just ask that you would help us to be obedient to the things that you are calling us to, that we would recognize your voice in such a way that we would just know whenever we hear it, God, that there would just be an understanding and that we would just listen, God, that your spirit would flow out as well, that as we go out into the streets, that we would be like Paul and Apollos and those disciples and that we would go and we would share your story with all those who would listen so that all those in, the, in, in all of our areas around us and wherever we go, that they would hear the name of Jesus and that they would know that it is good and it is true. God, I ask that you would watch over um, each of us, God, that you would continue Um, to move in our lives. God, that we would give you the glory and the honor for all of it. In Jesus' name, amen.